Those of you who claim you are and always will be alone have consigned themselves to futility. And those who claim that you are never alone, they've consigned themselves to ignorance. Begin by living your life and embodying the change that you wish to create in the world first. Only then will people in mass rally behind you. The path that each of us is to walk. This path is straight, it's narrow, and paved for us individually. Ordained are particular life events and an ultimate destiny, and what we choose between them and folly will be our fate. And if you, listener, want to be the master of your own fate, listen up. It all begins with you, and blaming anyone for anything won't ever bring you any closer to what you want. Today, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to learn what it means to face the world alone, with or without help that's here today and gone tomorrow. To an ever-elevating crisis, we need to present an ever-evolving situation. A solution, rather. You. First, ladies and gentlemen, this is The Wicked Generation, and we are its redeemed, led by yours truly, Codename Crimson. If you're listening here on Spotify and Google Podcasts, I implore you to uh, keep on listening. Stay tuned, follow, subscribe, do all that nice stuff. And if you're listening on YouTube, a layer down the line, well, welcome aboard. Like, comment, and subscribe. But all the formalities out of the way, let's talk about one more thing before we talk about the stakes here. It's so easy to lose yourself amidst the world when it all begins with our own hearts. Naivety and innocence means well, right? That's how we all start off. But it does wrong. It means well, but it does wrong. They are consequences of an underdeveloped worldview and an infantile consciousness. The problem with naivety and innocence is that, well, uh, there are people who begin to see the world when they have this naivety, this innocence, when they really start to take the blinders off, they become overwhelmed not too long afterwards be it by the enormity of the world or the threats it faces, ones like climate change, the political scenario, whatever it could be. They are then anxious and depressed, these naive, once naive and innocent people. Then we have undertaken the great task of experiencing the world. It is a great task because it possesses both splendor and treacherousness alike. And in expanding our worldview and growing our consciousness, well, we need to taxonomize it all. We need to take it in for all of its splendor and treacherousness. And we need to figure out a way to reform the world and consequently our worldview. And we start by looking beyond ourselves. We know our place in it as we uh, begin to develop this understanding of it. And in time, this brings about what true humility is. I'm not talking about boarding a plane or touring Europe, though those can be beneficial. What I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to expanding your understanding of the world, is consciously living day to day. You'll find yourselves in situations of value when you seek whatever you want, whatever you need to at any moment, be it to 
experiences of good fortune or experiential value. Talk to others and learn from them too. It's the fool among us that thinks that just by association or proximity they are empathetic or even sympathetic to an oppressed or otherwise different person. Fooliness. The people that you truly learn from aren't necessarily right, but they can be learned from, whereas the intelligent among you may learn well from your own mistakes. The wonderful thing about wisdom, it doesn't make any to begin with. Not by avoiding situations where you can fail, but by knowing how mistakes are made and being able to avoid them in the first place. The wise learn from the mistakes of others and are observed and they're observant of the world around them and their own microcosm within. They're both self-aware and aware of others, ladies and gentlemen. It is therefore most important that we not only hone our intellect, but our understanding, our database of knowledge, our wisdom, if you would. Whereas the intelligent can fill in the blanks, the wise can come to entirely revolutionary conclusions. They don't just reinvent the wheel. It is therefore in your best interest to ac accumulate as much wisdom as possible and quickly. But then, wisdom begins, and here's the secret about wisdom. It begins not with a fear of the world, as many of us Gen Zers are nowadays. It doesn't start with us looking at the world and being overwhelmed with the odds, or even having a sort of naive... Um, self-assuredness when we look at it. It doesn't come with a fear of the world and its wickedness, but it comes with a particular fear of God, of ultimate reality, the master compulsory force of consciousness, and the architect of the universe. Let me explain. Your will, dear viewer, is free, but it's not entirely your own. And this is the answer to the any sort of nihilist among you. It's also the answer to the free will versus determinism debate. If you would, the point of equilibrium, of truth. The paradox I'm talking about means that something, uh, something will be the object of your devotion when I mention that your will is free, but not entirely your own. This object of devotion, you do get to choose whatever it is. It's pleasures for the hedonist, money for the workaholic. Your devotion and allegiances are then expressed through your faith. Your faith meaning the expression of how you live and the aspects of truth, or lack thereof, you embody. These devotions mandate sacrifice and grant certain boons, and are the, they are foundational to the development of any great skill, and ultimately becoming great. Our devotions, too, have a hand in determining who we attract to us and our subsequent uh, guidance in the faith that we live out. When you live your own life, it is then lived with true faith, and not with the beliefs, which are consciously held perceptions, of another. But why then should we live our own life, the nihilists would contend, when our decisions don't matter? Well, the nihilists would contend that Free will isn't free when we pick between stimuli. In factoring in the concept of intelligence, it makes all the world a difference, though. Allow me to explain. 
There are not only immediate neurochemical stimuli, but also apprehensions of long-term effects our decisions have on ourselves and others. And so, what if we have to pick between stimuli? This is not restrictive when we factor in time as a whole, where one decision leads to another series of choices, and we can steer ourselves down particular routes and branches until we have satisfied ourselves through a myriad of means and channels. Potential for an infinite number of intentional choices, generation, and fate control is very much a reality, my dear listeners. How then? How then do we live out this, these free lives? Well, let's begin with your career. Something that everyone's concerned with in today's age, and it seems to be the loci of focus for most Americans and the biggest cause of anxiety in their lives. Your career, well, it's, yes, an aspect of your vocation. This is what's most important. People misplace, they confuse what a career is versus a vocation. Well, whatever field you choose to specialize in, it's going to be with a skill that comes to you with ease. You see, what a vocation is, is a overall an arcing purpose uh, for your labor. A career is a, a certain path of work that you will take to fulfill your vocation. Now, when you pick a field of ease, um, there's a few things that are going to happen. You're not going to feel any anxiety about the work that you do, generally, and that work is going to be good work. You will be good at what you do, even if so much your heart doesn't necessarily feel passionate about it. A good career choice certainly is one that you're good at. And, you know, so many of us in the U.S., yeah, we predicate so much of our value on career. But let me, uh, let me ease your concerns about that. And let me tell you a reality of the situation. You, while your career does correlate to your intelligence, your personality, and beliefs, uh, career choice seldom reveals the integrity of the individual, the strengths of his bonds to good people, and his aspirations. It's a little more than the subject for small talk and is used as a short-sighted means of dismissing or gravitating towards people. People of differing values at the present moment. Well, let's instead consider the makings of a man, of gravitas. How did they start off? Well, a true man of weight, of power, of respectability. Well, when they enter the fray, they hang their head in pride and don't ever hunch under the burden of shame. This is the foundation to a respectful individual. To feel the judgment of others is not true to oneself, as true contrition is determined from within. It is a petty way to protect the ego and profit by seeking the validation of others. This is the way of people pleasers, if you would, of social justice warriors, of wokeness. And this could be by means of a virtue signaling, apologizing for that which you shouldn't be held liable for. But, whatever the case, never, never surrender in the face of shame alone. Shame is the secret weapon of the slave driver. Rather, ladies and gentlemen, practice humility with a little modesty and an ample ambition to learn from everyone and the pursuit of the man or woman that you are destined to be this, this is very important. Believe that you are as good as them, as the person that you will become, and live out the improvements to get there day by day. Live your best every day, 
and you'll be where you need to be and at the right time every time when you live with no regret. There will be no shortage of those who hate, envy, or condemn you when you stand against the world, chiefly because you are they are they are dominated by the world. Don't resent them back. They are your greatest fans, and you are the object of these spiteful ones' obsession. No doubt you will leave a great impression on them, and it is up to you to maintain a higher order of conduct. Be a greater man. Now, many of the people, or horrible things, or other circumstances that you may face have and will inflict trauma. A word on this. In some sentences, they have uh, taken things from you. In others, they have been opportunities for gain. These situations inflict trauma. Conversely, some of the boons that we have have robbed us of the opportunities to grow. The deprived and the privileged alike are equal in victimhood. There is no short supply of victims in today's world, even though humanity as a whole is better off than it was a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand years ago. Why is this? Because victimhood is a choice. The deprived have more opportunities to grow organically and by their own merit, and often, from their ilk, springs history's most influential people, especially in recent history. And yet, many of the poor in our society that are poor for long do so by choice, whether by intent or by ignorance and decision-making. The rich, too, see their fair share of victims, their ill-equipped to handle the real world when they emerge from the protective bosoms of their parents. Many are too used to having their way, and their consciousness is stunted from a lack of experiencing everyday struggle. And did you know that 50% of the time, family wealth doesn't even survive past a second generation? Whether it be that you have come from a position where you were subject to trauma, or you're too susceptible to it, the common denominator is an inability or refusal to resolve such trauma. It's not a pleasant thing to be afflicted by it, and it's difficult to let go of. But, in doing so, you have evolved your consciousness, and set yourself in a better position to help those who are going through the same things. Oh, and uh, speaking of uh, helping others, there needs to be a balanced walk between empathy and self-interest. Empathize with those who are truly willing to help themselves, and do not associate with parasites. It's the strong deserve to rule, and to an extent protect those who cannot protect themselves. Never, though, are we to feed parasites, the weak who take from others, with no regard uh, for the negative impact of their actions. They cannot be reformed without initiative on their own part, and so this is for most of society's drakes. Have restraint, too, in your ambitions. They are the gateway to delusion. As with the parasite, there are many taskmasters and false prophets who would love to put you to good work, but for a bad deal. This is never to say don't trust those who need help and the self-important officials, but in all your interactions, use scrutiny. Trust is something that has to be built. Now, your value is uh, your your value to others is dependent on 
what value they think you bring to the table. This is so for most interactions and is a key determinant in the trust you are lent. Perhaps you're a person of status and influence within a friend group. Maybe you give excellent advice or make everyone laugh or even you're even a good ear, a good listener. If people don't feel good around you, they won't associate with you. They, uh, these associations, they're always subject to change as the value that you provide or that they perceive you provide changes. People, well, they're superficial, see, most people are. They do judge a book by its cover, even subconsciously, if not consciously, if they are told otherwise. And by the way, there isn't really too much wrong with doing so. But you need to know what you're looking for then. And this is the problem that most people have. They don't know what they're looking for when they judge a book by its cover. That, just like everything else here, deserves its own topic. But it's most important to know now that you ought to front the best possible image. Is it wrong to put makeup on? Do people not dress in their Sunday best? The aesthetic choices of someone and how they carry themselves can tell you quite a few things, and people will pick up on this even if not consciously, subconsciously, they will analyze you. Listen to people's speech patterns and their intent that the words carries as well as their mannerisms, and so on and so forth. Now, turning from image and onto substance, don't live beyond your means. Avoid debt, uh, first off. You'll want to start working and saving as soon as possible. Every investment that you make now may seem insignificant in the future, but when you make enough, you may begin to put your money to work for you rather than working for it yourself. Or then again, you might fancy working into retirement. That's fine too. But in this globalist uh, uh, information age, self-employment is a greater reality now more than ever. And something that is quite encouraged. While we have seen perhaps an end to the American dream, now more real than ever is the globalist dream, ladies and gentlemen. The advent of an era where we could come up, become even more wealthier than we could ever imagine. Yes, there is more income inequality in the United States than ever before. And yet, it is now more accessible, this higher echelon. And even then, people who are at the bottom of this totem pole do even better than those at the bottom of the totem pole in other countries. This is to say that income inequality is, in fact, not necessarily a bad thing. It can, too, be a sign of a great platform, great financial and commercial world to enter into, one that many of us Gen Zers are geared into it. By the way, wait to travel the world. Avoid luxury items when your standard might suffice, and avoid long-term financial commitments such as loans. Now, finally, ladies and gentlemen, the moment of truth. I'd like to provide for you all a case study of a particular person who has triumphed over the world and a little bit of insight into their mentality. I want to introduce to you the most influential man in the world, historically. Outlined in the latter end of John, chapter 16, Jesus, the Christ, reveals the following which I will break down. I came forth from the Father, and am come into the world. 
Again I leave the world, and go to the Father. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, with this audio snippet out of the way, let's talk about this. Jesus began by at long last revealing his card, so to speak. Now, he had been cryptic up until this point, hours in his arrest and execution. Which is, by the way, it's perfectly viable to be honest, yet not answer directly, as he has done. So long as your yeses are yes and your noes are no, so the paraphrase from Jesus. Figurative speech can be interpreted on many different levels, and is therefore, well, therefore can be richer in information communicated. Furthermore, cryptic means of speech are, well, they force contemplation. When you're out and about in your path, you may be called to rock the boat from time to time. When you live alone against the world. At times, an extremely direct statement will cause a too adverse reaction from your audience. So, you want them to take the time to consider your bold but figurative speech statements, as Jesus did many a time. Now, Jesus then states that we ought to ask in his name, that when we take the initiative to approach the Father, for the sake of advancing the ends of the Son, what we need will be granted. Jesus will not ask on our behalf, rather we must ask on his behalf, on his interests. This is the key. We then should have been initiated into the mysteries of Christ, dear listener. I encourage you to, in fact, uh, seek Jesus as your Lord and Savior if you haven't already case to be made uh, in future episodes. Now, Christ then proceeds to admit the core of the gospel, the core being this, Jesus is the Son of God the Father. Those that love him are saved. We need to then be able to articulate our own purpose, and taken from this example, we need to express with conviction the very crux of our existence. You need, then, to know where you are going, listener. Now, even with all of this, you aren't guaranteed the fidelity of your followers. You will have your summer soldiers and your sunshine patriots that rally behind you from time to time. People are going to hang around you as long as they believe that association with you is beneficial. The Twelve Disciples illustrate this very, very well. A diverse aggregate of people with varying degrees of integrity. Few really, really were of the faith, just like us, or even belief that Jesus was who he is. Again, very much like the friends that we surround ourselves with sometimes. For their and our benefit, we sometimes need to explain things in particular ways that, um, well, we know would hurt or outrage them. And then sometimes we'll have to divulge everything for the sake of their peace. Jesus did that here, actually. 
It was according to plan that Jesus would be arrested, and so it wasn't all that surprising to them when he divulged this. The result? While they didn't pursue their teachers, save for Peter, the disciples didn't fall too deeply into despair, nor did they, you know, lash out against Jesus' accusers and prosecutors. They were in fact ready, and were ready, for his return. It would all come down to this. Jesus had used figurative speech patterns and was cryptic to string along his disciples and ready them, ready his disciples, his followers, up until the point where they were nourished sufficiently and the fidelity was built high enough for him to divulge this information of his arrest and execution. Before Jesus was to overcome the world alone with no one but the Father, who had even himself to, uh, he had to avert his eyes during the Passion, Jesus had not only took, well, he didn't only brace himself, but he prepared his disciples for a radical change, an old covenant to a grand, new commission. And so, to a certain extent, it ought to be with you, my dear viewers. The paths that we take, the paths that we take ourselves down, well, they may not make so much sense in the moment. But it, they are readying us for a grand turning point. And when all is revealed to us by the Father, by the subject of our devotions, we too need to take what we have gained and unveil it progressively. Once we are really awake, we can't expect everyone to be on our level of awareness. Some have more and some have less. Overcoming the world then is a personal affair as much as it is an interpersonal and societal one. It starts with you and your father, your devotion, lest you become overwhelmed and intimidated into conformity. And so, I have discussed almost everything that you could possibly need to face the world, at least from a physical and mentality standpoint. The preparations are set. And the world is yours for the taking. Don't disappoint yourself, or those that have come before you, and those that are to come. And remember, you have everything that you will need to perform well, wherever you are, at any given time in your life. Don't ever doubt that. You might not be the best, but by improving, building upon what you know, walking straight and narrow, God will more than make up for your inadequacies. A life lived with faith, and conviction is one that God has perfected. Topic for no time, but I thank you all for sitting in listening. This has been The Wicked Generation, and we are It's Redeemed. Please follow me on YouTube, uh, The Wicked Generation. I'm also on Instagram. Follow me there at we.r underscore wicked. I'd love to hear from you. And you'll you can stay tuned for more updates on different projects I have, including maybe a few upcoming books and all that good stuff. Hey, thanks for all for saying in. This is a message I really want to give to the disenfranchised use of my day and all of the wisdom experience that I've amalgamated over the course of time. It's something I put really put my heart and my soul into, and I hope that you all profit off of it. But peace be upon you all. And until the next time, thank you.